0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan
1: Bongino. It's pathetic, folks. Absolutely pathetic. U.S. journalists, uh, fake journalists, fake reporters, wannabe journalists. They're all in mourning today. It's unbelievable. They're in mourning. It actually is not unbelievable. It's very believable. They're in mourning today over the death of one of the world's number one terrorists. I've got some just stunning tweets, video Photos, screenshots, articles about the U.S. media seemingly in mourning that President Trump ordered the killing of one of the world's number one terrorists, uh, Qasem Soleimani. It, it really, we are in a very, very bizarre time. The, I mean, just the viral explosion of TDS level six infections everywhere should encourage you strongly to find uh, areas um, uh, <laughs> outside of the containment zone. For, for safety and shelter when the TDS infection breaks out of the containment zone later. It's just crazy. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joseph Armacost, how are you well, today, sir? good morning, Agent Bongino. I'm doing quite well, sir. Yeah. Yourself? Oh, good to hear. In your finest English well, accent I'm ever. Trying. Uh Yes, we got a lot to get through. I got that. I got another uh, Devin Nunes interview where he just launches a grenade. on uh, These things, he has so much information. We have to employ the Nunes okay, transit. I got that a ready. lot more. Don't miss the show I today. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, you already got the transit. Yeah. All right, today's show brought <laughs> to you buy our buddies at stamps.com listen let's face it most new year's resolutions are hard to keep get more exercise save more money we all know we all have them well i have a resolution that's easy to keep stop wasting time going to the post office and use stamps.com instead what we use here at the bongino inc headquarters with stamps.com you can do anything you do with the post office right from your computer Plus, Stamps.com gives you something you can't get at the post office. Big discounts on postage. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, that's roughly what we do, or an online seller shipping out thousands of products, or even a mega warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle all of it with ease. Simply use your computer to print out official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, Anywhere you want to send it. When your mail's ready, just hand it to the mail carrier, drop it in a mailbox. It's really that simple. With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp, and up to 40% off priority mail. What's not to beat here? No more lines. You save money and it's easy to use. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is really a no-brainer. It saves you time and money. 700,000 small businesses are already using it. Give yourself a resolution you can keep. Stop going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There's no risk. And with my promo code, Dan, my first name, you get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click on that microphone at the top of the page at stamps.com and type in Dan, D-A-N. That's stamps.com, promo code Dan, stamps.com, promo code Dan. Stop going to the post office and wasting time. Stamps.com, promo code Dan by clicking at the microphone at the top of the page. All right, Joe, let's go. Here we go. OK, so, uh, yeah, un- uh, unbelievably, U.S. journalists appear to be in mourning over the death of Soleimani. As I said, there was a, a wonderful article at the Free Beacon, uh, which summed up some of the more atrocious responses to uh, the killing of this uh, savage terrorist that has unquestionably made the world a safer, not a more yeah. dangerous place. It's by Andrew Stiles. It'll be up at the show notes up at Bongino.com, Bongino dot com, Bongino dot com. And if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, Bongino dot com slash newsletter, we'll send you these great articles every day. Uh, US journalists mourn the death of Iranian terrorists. Qassam Soleimani's, quote, historic funeral in Tehran gets somber coverage. If they only would have uh, provided such somber coverage to the Green Revolution in Iran, where people were actually uh, fighting for freedom, that would have been really wonderful. Maybe it would have pressured Obama into actually doing something about it, which he didn't, of course. My man. He sat on his hands. My which man. He always does, you know? Yeah. So the first clip from the Free Beacon piece, which uh, describes the New York Times. uh, Michael Barbaro, quote of the New York Times, highlighted the amazing images and audio from the NPR team at the funeral of Soleimani. Several hours later, Barbaro posted a bizarre podcast interview with uh, Times reporter Helen Cooper, in which Cooper lamented, lamented, lamented for the liberals. That means the woman's sad um, that the U.S. military was, quote, tragically very good at killing people. Oh, thank God. I'm reasonably confident that is one of the roles of a military operation if it has to be initiated to terminate targets that may be looking to do us harm. They're upset, the New York Times, that the U.S. military is, quote, tragically good at killing people. Oh, Folks, I asked yesterday and I will ask you again. Oh. I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. It's not hyperbole. Right. It's not meant for effect. It is a legitimate question to ask these liberal goofballs out there and their media bootlicking, butt kissing acolytes. What the hell side are you on, man? Your concern here is not either repercussions or other than your concern here is, is not the elimination of this and what it might do to promote national security and deterrence in the future. That's not your concern at all. Your concern is the somber nature of the funeral and the fact that the U.S. military is, quote, tragically good at killing people. Ladies and gentlemen, these are real quotes. These are these. This actually happened. It doesn't end there. I've got more in the interest of time. Here is uh, Good Morning America, who sent Martha Raddatz over there to the funeral in Iran of this terrorist in the street Uh, and, and Martha Raddatz. Uh, this is about a minute long, but listen to the somber tone of this thing. Can you imagine if this was done at the at, at the uh, at if they had had a funeral for bin Laden, who thankfully we disposed of the right way, right? Dump him right in the ocean. Right. Can you imagine if they had a funeral and they, anyone else covered this? The somber nature. This is the this guy was the equivalent in a, a, a national security threat level of an Osama bin Laden, if not worse, according to David Petraeus and listen to the coverage and make, I want, to, I want you to pay particular attention at the end, how they make it very clear that the uh, Supreme <laughs> Leader, the Ayatollah, they were crying because they were so sad. Check this out.
0: I have been in the midst of anti-American protests in Iran before, but nothing like this. A powerful combination of grief and anger with shouts of death to America echoing through the streets around us. This morning, mourners filling the streets of Iran's capital of Tehran for the funeral of General Soleimani, killed by that U.S. drone strike last week. Aerial images capturing the sea of Iranians, hacking the streets to pay tribute to a man revered by many here. Trump made a big mistake. He killed our hero. Soleimani's image everywhere. The impact of his death profound. The crowds are massive and emotional. There are many tears here, many signs with Soleimani's picture on them. But the message is also very clear: these people want revenge. Are we human or not? As we made our way through the streets of Tehran, people surrounding us shouting, "Death to America!" We will have very hard revenge of Mr. Trump. Inside the funeral service, the emotion just as powerful. The supreme leader of Iran weeping and praying over a coffin draped in the Iraqi flag. What is that, Al Jazeera Network?
1: What the hell's going on here? No. Dude? No, 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 no. Come on! It was GMA, unfortunately. I wish it was. Folks, I, I don't, uh... God! I, 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 I don't know... I don't know anymore what, what side you know these people are on. Let me just parse out a couple of points from that that clip there. She's never seen anything like this, Martha Raddatz? Well, I have. Again, I, I saw millions of people on the street under the Obama administration trying to fight for their own freedom. Iranians who cared about freedom and liberty who were ignored by the Obama administration. I remember that pretty well. So I've actually seen something like this. And then we had this guy on the street who, Martha Raddatz, you got to find the crying guy. You always have to find the crying guy. You know, tears always add to the emotion, of course. You need that crying guy in there. And what does he say about the crying guy? The crying guy says, hey, um, you killed our hero. Oh, my gosh. With the crocodile tears. Well, if your hero is a terrorist, that's too bad. Maybe you were on the wrong team, buddy. Maybe you should rethink this thing. Then, of course, they have to... uh, Make sure they focus in on the teals, uh, tears from the Ayatollah. The Ayatollah lost his main terrorist. You know he's really sad about that. So the Ayatollah has the sad. So let's make sure we put that out on GMA too. Man, that that was pretty produced, Dan. They they really went out of their way to try to make their point. I guess well, you noticed it's that. It's worse. That thing went yeah, on. Yeah, you saw it for three minutes. Yeah, that so was. I got to cut that thing off after a few because it gets even worse, folks. I'm not even done yet. There's more. Again, the media in mourning that Soleimani's been uh, been lost. This is, I mean, this is really, and so we're living in peak. Peak stupid has been reached. We are on the event horizon of a black hole of stupid that we've already crossed. Here is a, another portion of the Washington Free Beacon. The AP, the Associated Press, more propagandists there, published a touching piece on Ayatollah Ali Khomeini's rare display of emotion, the tears at the funeral of the terrorist general with whom, quote, he shared a deep bond. Well, maybe if you're going to pick terrorists as they are deep bond sharers, maybe you should reevaluate what your position in the world really is. Just saying. The AP noted that the Iranian despot's voice cracked under the weight of the moment as he cried openly while mourning the death of his friend. There you go, AP, who practically wrote a uh, laudatory eulogy for Soleimani in their piece there. This is just stunning. Now, this guy's not a friend of mine by any stretch but Noah Rothman had a good tweet uh, it's a long story beyond the scope of the show but Noah Rothman had a good tweet up this is a Washington Post national security columnist who retweeted retweeted this stupid tweet so for those of you listen there's a uh, Sanam Vakil who tweeted hard to resist not retweeting this and it's a picture of Soleimani's funeral and the people uh, that showed up for it versus Trump's inauguration crowd. In other words, that there are more people at Soleimani's funeral Taking a shot at the United States than Trump's inauguration crowd. A Washington Post uh, national security columnist, Missy Ryan, retweeted this. Remember, folks, democracy dies in the darkness, the Washington Post. So Noah Rothman, rightly so, um, called her a, called him out, uh, Missy Ryan out on that, and basically said, listen, you know, in the future, this is why newsrooms are going to stop any of their people from tweeting because of stupidity like this. Unreal. Ooh. This actually happened. One, one last one. Here is a tweet by the hapless New York Times. Again, them and the Washington Post are causing the darkness they allege democracy dies in. But here's the New York Times. That's the Washington Post tagline, of course. New York Times, quote, tweet, knowing General Soleimani was out there made me feel safer, said a student about the commander killed in an American drone strike. He was like a security umbrella above our country. Listen to today's episode of The Daily. Oh, my gosh, Uh, folks, this is I mean, this is real. This is important. It's important you understand before an election that these people are not on our side. These are, these are not, they are not, they are not on the side of truth. They are not on the side of America. They are on the side of anything that makes this president look bad. Even if celebrating the death of one of the world's most dangerous people, if they have to do it and highlight positive takeaways from Uh, it, they will do just that. uh, Dude, man. You know what? Enough on that because I could talk about media stupidity all day and it will only make most of us dumber. But it's again, it's important to highlight before the 2020 election. So you understand the places you think you're getting journalism, facts and investigative reporting. It's all complete garbage. What side are these guys and ladies on? The answer is not ours. All right, moving on. So Devin Nunes gave an interview to Sarah Carter, and uh, this is. There's something in there I had not heard before, folks, and it's a little bit more profound than I think media coverage picked up on. Yeah, because I haven't seen any other than this Washington Examiner piece. So yep. uh, Washington Examiner piece: Devin Nunes gives an interview to investigative reporter Sarah Carter. Um, Dan Chaitlin wrote a piece on it. It'll be up again in the show notes today. Please check it out again: bongino.com/newsletter. If you subscribe to our newsletter, we'll be sure to send these right to you. Devin Nunes. Republicans have an active investigation into the Intelligence Inspector General, the IG. You may be saying, "Wait, wait, hold on, time out. What does this mean? What's going yeah. on?" This is a major. You start. want the translator? I have, it, I have it written down in my notes here. Was you want that? the translator? No, not, not yet, uh, because I got I do not I don't. I don't think I'm going to need. Because I don't think this one requires the okay. Devin Nunes All right. translator. Good deal. This one's pretty straightforward. <laughs> so Nunes launches this grenade onto the battlefield here. And I'm like, really? So why does this matter? Okay. well, from the Washington Examiner piece, who is the I.G.? Why does this matter? And what was his resume? How does this tie into the spike? Stick with me. This is going to be important. Quote. This is what Nunes said during the interview with Sarah Carter. Everyone needs to see the testimony of the um, of basically the I.G. who is who is involved in the whistleblower case. This is what he's talking about. Nunes said, adding, the reason it hasn't been released is because it's very damaging, not only to the whistleblower, but to Atkinson, the IG himself. Nunes said House Republicans have an active investigation open into Atkinson. Really? Whoa. So Atkinson, who's the intelligence community inspector general, the kind of the internal affairs officer for the intelligence community assigned to investigate government malfeasance or misfeasance, right? Right. What's the genesis of this and what's going on? Why does it matter? And how does this tie into what I believe is a bigger, more devastating cover up? And why I believe the media didn't cover this story at all. Atkinson is the inspector general who the fake whistleblower brought the complaint to that Trump had engaged in the quid pro quo with the Ukrainians. Everybody follow me on this, it's not complicated. The fake whistleblower goes to the inspector general and says, Hey, I've got word that President Trump was on the phone call on July 25th with the Ukrainian president. He sold out the United States in this quid pro quo deal he made on the phone. Everybody got that? The quid pro quo never happened. President Trump beat them to the punch, released the transcript of the phone call. The Republicans call up the ICIG who receives the complaint from the fake whistleblower and they start talking to him a little bit and they find out that there's some major discrepancies in what happened and what what are the discrepancies? Number one, the fake whistleblower Who said that President Trump engaged in this quid pro quo with the Ukrainians? You know, they said, oh, information for Biden. We want this information and we'll give you military aid. That never happened. President Trump released a transcript. It's not there. You all remember that, right? Here's the problem. The problem is that the requirement to make that report to the inspector general is a firsthand reporting requirement. You had to have seen or heard the information yourself. The fake whistleblower did not hear the information himself. Now, there are many suspects as to who he may have heard the information from. A lot of suspects. But the whistleblower, fake whistleblower, did not hear the information himself. All of a sudden, the ICIG, the requirements all of a sudden change. There's a... a, a um. A uh, a reevaluation of the rules and the complaint is allowed to proceed despite the fact that it doesn't meet the guidelines for a complaint to proceed. Move those goalposts, move them. So they brought move them. Yeah, they brought the ICIG up to Capitol Hill and questioned them. And apparently, his testimony is very damning. Now we haven't seen his testimony. John Ratcliffe and others, Devin Nunes have been saying, you need to see this testimony from the ICIG, who my guess is he probably said something up there that made himself look really bad when it came to changing or reevaluating the requirements for reporting this complaint. In other words, his changing of the rules, could it have been politically motivated? What was he doing? Why change the rules? Why the rush to get this whistleblower complaint out there, despite the fact that it didn't comport with previous interpretations of the rules? What was Atkinson covering up by trying to get this whistleblower complaint against Trump pushed into the pipeline, pushed over to Schiff and to get the impeachment thing rocking and rolling? What was he doing? Who was Atkinson, folks? Well, there's a great piece up at Red State by our friend Elizabeth Vaughn, who does some great work. I retweet her content often. She covers this show, and we really appreciate that. Elizabeth Vaughn, Red State. The resume, of the inspector general behind the whistleblower, air quotes, because it's a fake whistleblower, tells us all we need to know. Now, this is an older piece from October, to be clear. But again, it'll be up in the show notes under the title, Who is Atkinson? Because we put up pieces that are evergreen here and are relevant now today. So the... The inspector general who pushes this complaint and reinterprets the rules to make sure the complaint moves quick and gets to the people, get to that impeachment fast. Who exactly is this guy, Atkinson? Why was he doing that? Was he politically motivated? Well, let's see who was Michael Atkinson. Well, from the piece, we find out Julie Kelly from American Greatness took a took a shot at Atkinson's resume and it tells us everything we need to know. Kelly notes that in July of 2016, Atkinson became the senior counsel to John Carlin. Oh, oh, this is good. Who's John Carlin? Yeah. Oh, if you remember the names from my show, you already know. But don't worry, I will clarify. Atkinson was the senior counsel to John Carlin, the head of the National Security Division at the DOJ. Carlin was Bob Mueller's chief of staff when he ran the FBI and was appointed National Security Division chief by Barack Obama in 2013. Folks, why does this matter? Uh, if you're a regular listener to the show, you probably already know it matters. But if you're just tuning in now, don't you worry, we'll clarify. So John Carlin was Barack Obama's Department of Justice. He was the head of the National Security Division. Ladies and gentlemen, John Carlin was one of the final people to OK the FISA warrants to spy on the Trump team. Not the final person, but was one of them in the chain of custody that had to approve the FISA warrants to spy on the Trump team. Carlin was one of the final people to say yes. This guy Atkinson was his lawyer. Yeah, you know, the FISA warrants that have been now entirely discredited that were based exclusively on the fake Steele dossier, the hoax. This guy Atkinson was Carlin's lawyer. Carlin was signing off on this stuff. Oh, and by the way, he was Bob Mueller's old chief of staff, which is going to get, here we go. Here's our chart. There it is. Barack Obama, Lisa Monaco, Carlin, all connected to Mueller, all worked with Andy Weissman on the Enron case. They always, people all know each other. Kathy, Kathy Rumler, Obama's White House lawyer and fixer, was representing Nader, who was a Mueller witness. Keep this chart up a second. Lisa Monaco worked for Obama. Prior position was taken over by John Carlin. Carlin worked for Mueller. Monaco worked for Weissman, who worked for Mueller. Weissman hires Jeannie Ree and Aaron Zebley, Democrat donors. These people all knew each other. Atkinson, we can we got to squeeze him in the chart now, Paula. Atkinson was the lawyer to Carlin. Folks, I uh, listen to me. I'm going to get to this excellent piece by Margot Cleveland in a moment. I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to tie the show all in at the end. But the takeaway here is this. Why was a fake whistleblower complaint about a lie, a quid pro quo that never happened on a first person requirement, which was waived in this case, the rules were basically rewritten to let this guy, this fake whistleblower, report a a, a quid pro quo he didn't even hear about himself he heard about secondhand why was it allowed to advance folks it's simple because all these people are trying to cover up what they did in the spying operation with trump they all have their fingerprints on this now to be fair some of you out there i know some of you are saying this and you should be Well, why does the president's administration let these people stay there? Why not fire Atkinson? Why are we letting a guy who obviously has his fingerprints on the whole Spygate dossier, FISA spying scandal, why are we letting him stay in government? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have a good answer for that. Clearly, it is a tactically terrible decision. I can propose some speculative ideas and that's all I can do. Maybe he's getting bad advice from swamp rats who are saying, well, it'll make you look more fair if we keep some of these Obama people on. I don't know. I'm just telling you the result of that are things like this. The same inspector general who pushed the fake whistleblower case by f- reinterpreting the rules to make it move faster to get Trump impeached is the same guy who was the lawyer to the guy who signed off on the FISA warrant. Yeah, the same guy who was Bob Mueller's chief of staff. This is all real. By the way, none of this is open for dispute. Now, you can challenge my interpretation of his motives. Fine. Fair enough. That's fine. You can do that. But the facts I just laid out are absolutely true. Carlin was Bob Mueller's chief of staff, who was investigating the president based on a fake dossier. Based on a fake dossier, John Carlin signed off on to allow the president to be spied on. And one of his lawyers is now the inspector general who signed off on another investigation to the president that was based on another hoax, a quid pro quo that never happened. Read the piece by Elizabeth Vaughn. It is definitely worth your time. And then read it. Read that first. And then read the Nunes piece about the interview that now, Nunes, just to tie this up, apparently Republicans are now looking into Atkinson. Finally. Thank you. I mean, gosh, it seems like President Trump is always on the receiving end of this stuff. When do we start looking into the swamp itself? My gosh. All right, I'm going to get back to this with the Margo Cleveland piece. Don't go anywhere. I just want to motor through a few more things. This is a lot going This was a heavy, heavy news day, folks. And I don't want to leave you in the wind. As Joe says, uh, always, you know, everything you need to know in an yep. hour. So I got to give you everything. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at DraftKings. DraftKings. Listen, the NFL season's coming to a close. I know a lot of you are big fans out there. The second week of the playoffs is upon us. The bad news is there are only a few more weeks left in the football season for you fans out there. The good news, you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. If you've never played before, there's even more reason to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million Top prize this weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a $1 million top prize. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. With only the best football teams left, there's no better time to be playing. Download the DraftKings app now and use code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's that's code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, and you get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings by downloading the DraftKings app, uh, DraftKings app. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. So we had another situation in regards to the impeachment hoax initiated by the fake whistleblower complaint about the fake quid pro quo that never happened. Pushed forward by the ICIG, who was uh, intimately involved in with people involved with the Spygate scandal. Again, they all know each other. It's one big cabal of stupid. So the break in the impeachment case, supposedly for the Democrats, is John Bolton um, is opening his mouth again. I don't know what John Bolton is doing. Yeah, But John Bolton's saying now, hey, if I'm subpoenaed, you know, I'll testify. Almost like he's eager to do it. And can I just get this out there? Listen, I I know John Bolton not well, um, but well enough, I guess you could say. I've run into him quite a bit. But can I just put this out there, and and I'm sorry for you John Bolton fans out there, but um, if John has something to say, just say it. Do you know something? Of course, for those of you, you know, liberals watching, conservatives, of course, already know this, but for the liberals listening who may not know this, John Bolton uh, was the president's national security advisor. And John Bolton keeps saying, hey, if there's an impeachment trial in the Senate, you know, I'll talk. I'm well, yeah, John, you have something to say, just say it. Well, what's with the dance? I'm not kidding. Like, I don't get, do you have something to say? Do you have something to add to this? I don't understand why you need a Senate trial. If you have something to say, just say it. And by the way, I think it's kind of weird, don't you think? I mean, the president does have executive privilege, right? Nobody disputes that. The degree of it, again, fair enough, we can dispute. But the fact that executive privilege exists in the White House, that certain conversations the president has with his advisors are privileged, the fact that that exists is not in dispute by sane people. Again, I said by sane people, which leaves the media and other people out of it. The degree of it, we can argue. If Bolton has something to say outside of executive privilege conversations, then just say it, man. What's with the dance? I'll I'll testify if you guys... Oh, fine, great. I'm getting tired of this. Now Byron York has a really wonderful piece up at the Examiner. A lot of Washington Examiner content today. Analysis behind Bolton's decision. What decision is that? It's this decision yesterday, John Bolton, to put out a statement saying, "Again, hey, if the Senate uh, testifies me for, an, uh, excuse me, subpoenas me to testify in a Senate trial for uh, you know to follow up on the impeachment removal from office, I'll do it." if you have something to say just say it man the, the, the dopey dance what, what do you need to say are you trying to raise money for something I, I used to like this guy i'm not but i, I don't get this really are you just are you trying to get twitter followers or something i don't understand what you're doing <laughs> Jeez. all right enough on that let's go <laughs> so, right so crazy Let's go to the first uh, screenshot from the Washington Examiner because There's a couple other takeaways from what's going on with the impeachment. I haven't given you an impeachment update in a while. So Byron York says, quote, in the end, Democrats who had characterized Bolton, Mulvaney and others as critical witnesses did not lift a finger to compel their testimony. Pelosi and Schumer held strategy sessions and after the House passed their impeachment articles was already passed. Schumer then demanded that witnesses who the House did not even try to compel to testify absolutely must testify before the Senate. folks." Here we go. You know, I was on WMAL this morning giving a quick interview. And I brought up this point. To the liberals listening, whether in their cars or watching on YouTube or now on KBC in Los Angeles. This is a serious question. I'm not messing with you. Yes, we don't like each other. I'm a conservative. You're a liberal. We disagree. I get that. But can you put that aside for a moment and ask, answer a sincere question I'm about to. I'm not messing with you here. You already passed the impeachment. The president has been impeached in the House. Then Again, factually not in dispute, right? right. No Republicans voted for it. Zero. Right. Some Democrats voted against it. So it was bipartisan against impeachment, right. tautologically, just by definition. Mm-hmm. But you did pass and impeach the president of the United States. Right. You threw the whole country into turmoil. For only the third time in U.S. history, you impeached the president for a fake quid pro quo that didn't exist pushed in advance by an inspector general who was knee-deep in the whole Spygate thing. You threw the whole country in turmoil. And now you're admitting you didn't have the witnesses you need to do it? Slowly digest that. The gavel is dropped. It's a serious question, is it not? Because now Senate Democrats who have to take the impeachment articles from the House and hold a trial. Senate Democrats like Schumer and his other partisan hacks are now suggesting if we don't have Bolton and Mulvaney and other Trump officials, then we don't have the information to remove the president from office. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. T.O., we need the red flag. Yeah, where is that flag? flag? There we go. The official's going through his pockets. Looking for the I red the flag. Glasses. Oh, there's the glasses. I have the buzzer. The officials finding <laughs> the everything but the red flag. <laughs> what oh, is it up there? Paula said it's up in our new cabinet, our new studio. <laughs> Folks, we have to go under the hood for review here. Yeah. There's a red there's laundry on the field. You just impeached the president, suggesting he was a threat to national security. You and 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 now you're admitting, the Democrats, that you did it without any of the requisite information to do so. Joe, as the audience ombudsman, Is the argument I'm making here? Does this make yeah, sense? Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding, dude? No, no. Seriously, yes. I'm not kidding. Like, don't you're not reflexively saying yes. no. I'm you not. You get what I'm saying, right? Chuck Schumer, hack Democrat, right. is now saying, "Hey, we don't have the information well, we need to remove the president from office, pursuant to impeachment, because we need Bolton's information. Mulvaney knows. Bolton's doing this dopey dance. I don't know what he's well, doing. How the right? Well, they him in the first Bolton's doing the voice. dance. Yeah. Well, yes." I don't get it. How did you impeach him if you didn't have the information? To Democrats listening in their cars and watching us on YouTube now, I'm not messing with you. It's a serious question. Why didn't you just wait? Why didn't you compel Bolton to testify? No, we can't wait. It's urgent. But now we can wait and it's not urgent? I, I, I'm, having, I'm really, I'm like, I want to gavel my head. Like you know, they have the we have the gavel block here from the nice person said. I'm gonna. I'm really ready to gavel my head, hoping that if I hit it hard enough, maybe this will make sense. <laughs> now, now they it's going to get even worse because remember, Schiff's argument was no, we don't want to wait for this testimony. We have the information we need. Schumer's saying we don't have the information we need. So Schumer and Schiff are saying opposite things. Schumer then was they told Schiff in the House. You can wait and take it to court and get Bolton to testify. He says, I don't want to wait because we have the information we need. Schumer says, you don't have the information we need and we need Bolton. And now we're going to take it to court. Holy Moses. If you're sitting there getting ready to strangle yourself going, what the hell's going on? I'm like, if you're ready, I mean, this is like the oxygen level to my brain is dropping precipitously. This creates problem number two from Byron New York's piece. So problem number one, again, was this. The House just generally admitted that they impeached the president without the witnesses they need to do it. There's no question they did. They admitted they were really stupid when they did yeah. this. But the second takeaway is this. This is an interesting angle by Byron New York. Hat tip to him. He says, even if there's a rubber stamp that he, he he's talking about, just to be clear, let me set this up. He's talking about John Roberts. Supreme Court Justice John Roberts, if there is a trial in the Senate, which there will be now, to remove the president, Justice Roberts will be there. And even if he's just a rubber stamp, this is a quote from York. Another way of saying is, is that he will give the imprimatur of the judicial branch to the Senate actions. So say the Senate, with Chief Justice Roberts presiding, votes to issue a subpoena to Bolton or Mulvaney or anyone else. And say the recipient of the subpoena challenges it in court. How the heck is this going to work? York goes on. Federal judges are not in the business of saying the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court is wrong. Would Mulvaney take the subpoena to the U.S. District Court and ask a judge there to declare the Roberts-approved subpoena invalid? Folks, this is a brilliant point by Byron York. Remember, I know liberals have a tough time with the mechanics of government. Conservatives, thankfully, generally don't here. Mm. The impeachment articles will be forwarded at some point by Pelosi when she figures this whole thing out. The Senate trial will happen and the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presides over the trial, John Roberts. If Chuck Schumer then says the opposite of Adam Schiff, who said we don't need to go to court to get Bolton to testify, but then Schumer says, no, no, we need Bolton to testify because the Democrats can't get their stupid story straight. It's Roberts, the Chief Justice, presiding over the Senate trial who is going to make the decision to sit to, if that subpoena is valid? But this is a brilliant point. Hmm. What if Bolton or Mulvaney, Bolton up here is very unlikely to challenge it. He already said he's willing to testify. But say Mulvaney, president's acting chief of staff, goes to court and says, no, executive privilege. You think the local district court is going to basically overrule their judicial superior in Justice John Roberts? Folks, this creates a major conflict of interest. This is a brilliant point. Byron York always does great work. Big B. Does it not? It does a great job. This creates a huge conflict of interest. But again, a conflict of interest and a problem created exclusively by the Democrats, who in the House voted to impeach the president based on evidence they didn't have and weren't willing to wait for the testimony of the people they now say they want in the Senate and can't move forward without. Oh my gosh. Folks, the crazy and the stupid is endless. It's endless. Yeah. All right. I want to move on. Dude. Today's show. <laughs> I'm, I'm rapidly. is a cornucopia. Ruining my dendrite of stupid. stupid. <laughs> it really is. It is. It's a Thanksgiving. feast. This is mind blowing dude. Hey, one quick promo, by the way, for us, uh, point of personal privilege please again check out bongino report your new conservative alternative to the drudge report bongino report.com bongino report.com we've been getting tremendous reviews on it i appreciate all the email and feedback drudge abandoned you a long time ago folks if you're looking for the best conservative news of the day dot report.com you'll see a lot of these stories up there as well that is a separate website from bongino.com where we produce original content uh but please dot report.com check it out and bongino.com if you're looking to read some cool stories as well all right. So uh, just a quick one here. Bernie Sanders here is they figured out the new code word, Ferks. You know, you know, Boney for uh, Ferks is Ferks. where I meant to say Bernie and folks, which turned out to be Ferks. <laughs> they figured out that that's true. Yeah. Paul is 11. That's how I got that. By the way, the audience wants you on camera. Yeah. I've, someone wants to see you on camera. They, a guy emailed me yesterday. It's only fair. Paul is my wife for the new listeners who produces a lot of the show. We have a big team here. Yeah, they want. she said, not today. Why not today? I think you uh, look great. No makeup. You look wonderful. Why don't you come in and pop yeah. over? Yeah. She said, forget it. She ain't At- doing it. So <laughs> she's left. That's what her in the background. So Bernie, they the leftists have figured out a new buzzword for the targeted killing of uh, terrorist Suleimani. Now, did you hear it? Now, some of you who are, hmm voluminous consumers of content uh, or consumers of voluminous content, more precise way to say it in the media probably do know the buzzword. Mm -hmm. The buzzword is this was an assassination. Assassination. Now we dressed this yesterday. And if you heard yesterday's show, you know why the new leftist, media buzzword is assassination. Why is that? Because assassination of, uh, you know, by a, is, is prohibited. I mean, I don't know any other simply way to say it. Simple way to by the US government. Now, targeted assassination and the taking out of terrorists and military targets are not, in fact, assassinations, but the Democrats have settled on this word because it sounds really awful, number one, mm-hmm. and it is prohibited. You doubt me? Listen to this hack, Bernie Sanders. You know Bernie, Sanders. Bernie Sanders, <laughs> biggest fraud. He uses the word assassinate just like he used a billionaire as a billionaire. This guy's the biggest fraud on the, running. And the fact that he may get the nomination yeah. is like a gift to the Republican Party because he's such a fake and a phony. <laughs> you understand this guy's a millionaire himself, yeah. right? So listen to this cut. This is a quick video. And listen to what he compares to taking out one of the world's number one terrorists. Listen to what he compares it to at the end. This is how crazy the Democrat Party has become. Check this
0: out. This guy is, you know, was as bad as he was an official of the Iranian government. And you unleash then if China does that, you know, if Russia does that, you know, Russia has been implicated under Putin with assassinating dissidents. So once you're in the business of assassination, you unleash some very, very terrible forces. People will die. Ladies and gentlemen, people,
1: people will. Yeah. It's money, clearly. Play that again. Uh, you oh, that again? yeah, I got that. People will die. Fire that one up. <laughs> Give me one Thousands more. Thousands of people will die. <laughs> yeah. One more. Come on. We more. It's just a, 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 a triple encore performance people for Bernie. This die. is, of course, him talking about men. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, listen. Nothing. Please pay attention. I'm I'm begging you. Because I've run for office a few times. It's really ugly, the whole process. I've been in this game a long time now. It's been about eight years. Nothing the Democrats do or say they do by accident. Nothing. Forget the loose cannons out there like AOC and the other ones. They they say whatever stupidity comes to mind. Just look at their Twitter feeds. just dumb. I'm talking about more skilled politicians like Bernie, who's a skilled politician. He's wrong on everything. But- I mean, the guy's raised hundreds of millions of dollars and finished second for the nomination for president. I couldn't do it. I mean, he's, he's a he's a skilled politician, not a good not a good guy. I believe he has a shred of morality to him. Nobody who supports communism does. But he's not dumb. Their new code word is this was an assassination. And Bernie goes so far to compare the killing of Soleimani to Putin's assassinations of his political enemies. Ladies and gentlemen, these people have gone completely off the deep end. I only bring this up because I want you to pay attention going forward. How during the campaign, this word is strategically weaved in anytime Soleimani and the uh, topic of Soleimani comes yes, up. Yes, sir. Because one, it sounds bad. And number two, targeting targeted political assassinations by the United States is illegal. That is why they do, are doing this nothing they do is by mistake nothing nothing is by mistake trust me bernie did that on purpose all right before i get to margo Cleveland's story where i tie this back in to the inspector general thing i wanted to give you that, that some time for the ig story to stew a little bit just a quick note on how before i put this tweet up uh, it's a tweet by stella mccartney before i put it up paul and i are doing some pre-show production here and she didn't get this. She didn't get that. This. this is an effort by leftists in Hollywood, uh, a designer, a clothing designer, Stella McCartney. Is that, I don't know if it's Paul McCartney's daughter. And I, I, no, I don't know. I don't follow the fashion world. I'm knocking it. Yeah. I don't. Creates a lot of jobs. I just don't know anything about it. Um, but Stella McCartney apparently is a designer. And she sends out this tweet. I'm going to show you in a minute where she's celebrating Joaquin Phoenix. Hey, a very talented actor. I'm not this guy's got acting chops. I didn't see Joker, but I heard the guy was amazing. He's been he was the Johnny Cash in that movie, walked the line. He was amazing. But she's celebrating Joaquin Phoenix for. I'm not messing with you. You want to talk about virtue signaling on steroids? For Joe, wearing the same tuxedo for the whole Hollywood Awards season. <laughs> This is real. I sent this to Paul. She didn't get it. Here's the tweet. Stella McCartney. At Stella McCartney. She's talking about Joaquin Phoenix. This man is a winner. Wearing custom Stella clothing because he chooses to make choices for the future of the planet. He has also chosen to wear the same tux for the entire award season to reduce waste. I am proud to join forces with you. XO. Stella. Holy Moses, this is real. She did not get the joke. She's like, why is this? Well, I don't understand what they're celebrating. I'm like, that's the joke that normal people don't. Yeah. So you're this guy is some kind yep. of big environmentalist green warrior because the whole award season, he wore one tux. Folks, listen, you have been very good to me. My life has been a gift Thanks to you. The last five years, this podcast has exploded. We do okay. We're not millionaires like Bernie. We're not billionaires like Bernie's going to be soon after his book deal. Okay. We do okay. I have one tux. And Paula, when did I get it? For the audience. Thank you. Yeah. You're like, what did she say? Yeah. Just this past year. (laughs) I'm not kidding. We do okay. Life is good. Thank the Lord. And I mean that. And to you. I thank him every night for all the gifts and opportunities he's put in front of me. I'm not kidding. That is not speaking the Lord's name in vain. And it is thanks to you, the greatest audience ever. You have no idea how I talk about you. Yes, you listening or watching me, you right now on YouTube. I talk about you to everybody. The people at Fox, the people at Westwood One, all of my business partners, my book publisher, the Bongino Report people. You are so loyal to me. You have made my life a gift. I mean that. I can't believe I'm living the life I'm living thanks to you. I only have one tux. And I just bought it last year. You know why? Because I got invited to a ball at inauguration. I'm not kidding. It's not a joke. And I did have a tuxedo. <laughs> And I can't rent anything Because I don't want to wear other people's clothes But secondly, I have weird proportions yeah. Deadlifting and stuff I have an enormous I'll leave that for another day It's not what you think She's like too much information okay. not that, Alrighty then. My measurements are all off She's laughing hysterically uh-huh. the <gasps> I just bought a tux We're celebrating this guy Because he wears one tuxedo do the whole award season? Yeah. This is hysterical. This is, what was I, oh, it was a tweet I saw, forgive me, I don't remember who sent it, that this is what Hollywood elitists and liberal snobs specialize in. Quote, symbolic gestures that elevate themselves. Forgive me, I really should att- attribute that. <laughs> it was someone on Twitter, and I just, I know a rush to get the show, I forgot who said, but it, whoever wrote that on Twitter, you know it's you symbolic gestures. That's what they specialize in, where they elevate themselves over everyone else. Look at me, one tuxedo the whole awards season. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Ooh. And listen, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not knocking Joaquin Phoenix. No. I'm not. I don't, he didn't, it's not his tweet, it's hers. I'm not, the guy's a great actor. But I'll just say, I've, you, some of you have heard this story before. When I was in the police academy in New York, back way long ago, you know, we it was hot in the summer, you'd be in your these horrible gray uniforms. Everybody knew we were cadets. They'd make fun of us a lot. <laughs> we had to wear the, the, this weird hat. But one of the things that always stuck out to me is the actor, Matthew Modine. Remember him? He was the wrestler in that movie. And he's been in a lot of different stuff. You've probably seen his face, but look him up. But Matthew Modine's a, a pretty big liberal. And I used to see him in the heat in the summer, he would ride his bike to work around Manhattan. We'd see him a couple of times. And I always thought like, all right, at least the guy's not a fraud. Like he's some kind of green activist and he, you know, he, he takes his bike to work. What bothers me about these other elitist snobs is most of them are pretty much frauds. I guarantee you Stella McCartney and others. What are they? Are they doing anything to curb their air travel? Are they doing anything? Like are they driving around in a Prius? She may be. You're welcome to tweet back to me. I'll put it on the show tomorrow. What are you doing? You live in some kind of like environmentally friendly house. What are you doing to support solar power? I mean, are you getting involved with the, the people in Nantucket? Tell them to put wind farms, the, you know, the rich liberals who won't put wind farms off the water in Nantucket and Cape Cod and elsewhere? Are you telling them to do that? Quag-quag, anyone? Don't virtue signaling, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Next. All right, I got to get to this one because this is going to tie the whole show All right. together. So before... I Kind of let that stew a little bit. Again, the newness, just grenade that he launched out there—that there's now an investigation into the inspector general, who pushed the fake whistleblowers' claims by reinterpreting rules. Yes, the same inspector general who apparently was involved in the Spygate thing. Now, the guy he worked for, the inspector general Carlin, as I said to you before, John Carlin, who was one of the final officials to improve the to uh, approve the dossier. John Carlin was Bob Mueller's chief of staff. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this right up front. Bob Mueller was clearly brought in to be the bag man here. There is no question in my mind anymore that when Bob Mueller is appointed May 10th of 2017 as the special counsel to investigate Trump on collusion charges the FBI and everybody else already knows as a hoax that he was done, he was brought in completely, 100%, absolutely to sweep up the FBI's mess. That's the only reason. Do you understand what a huge scandal this is? Why is Bob Mueller and his team not being investigated right now? Ladies and gentlemen, the IC, the IG report, excuse me, not Atkinson. Now we're talking about Horowitz, the other IG, mm-hmm. the Department of Justice Inspector General, different Inspector General. Horowitz's report, the one we just addressed the, that came out a month ago, that just wrecked, the FBI, Jim Comey, and everyone for investigating false charges in the dossier and spying on the Trump team. The report is damning. Why are we now not investigating the Mueller team for continuing this hoax knowing the whole thing was a fraud? Now, Margot Cleveland has a stellar piece up in The Federalist today. Again, be up in the show notes. That is worth your time. Please read it. Again, sign up for our newsletter, bongino.com slash newsletter. I'll email it to you save you the work. Headline, January 6, 2020, Margo Cleveland. Inspector General Report shows the special counsel replicated the FBI's abuses. Folks, how is this not under investigation right now? If, I'm going to get to some takeaways from this piece in a moment, but we now know something I told you eons ago, by the way. I'm not patting myself on the back. It's just If you're a listener to the show, you've heard this often. That no later, absolutely no later than January of 2017, the FBI interviews the sources Steele said he used to put together his hoax dossier that was used to spy on the Trump team and the FISA warrants. The FBI interviews Steele's sources in January of 2017. They come to the conclusion that his sources have said Steele is full of crap. This whole thing is garbage. At the latest, the latest of January 2017. Everybody knows collusion is a hoax. Listen to me, everyone. Mary, remember uh, Gary Oldham from the uh, from the uh, Specialist? Who do we get? Everyone, everyone, everyone knows. Every we need that cut. Everybody knows <laughs> it's a hoax. So what the hell is Bob Mueller investigating? They know, do you understand? They know it's a hoax. There's no doubt. The FBI interviews steal sources. They tell them this is a hoax in January. Five months later, Bob Mueller's appointed. Now, at some point, as Cleveland in this first takeaway points out, something I've told you before that I've heard from Nunes too. Nunes has said this on multiple uh, interviews on TV. At some point, the FBI turns over its file that says this is a hoax to Mueller. Quote, Margot Cleveland, as the IG report noted, it's all on paper now, folks. Quote, on May 17, 2017, the Crossfire Hurricane cases were transferred to the special counsel and the FBI agents and analysts that worked with the special counsel transferred to. A little more than a month later, the FBI asked the DOJ to seek a fourth extension of the surveillance warrant on Carter Page. The fourth renewal obtained under Mueller's leadership included the 17 inaccuracies and omissions in the FISA warrant the IG identified. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeez. how is this not a scandal? How are we missing this? Again, serious question for the left. Your hero, Bob Mueller. He is appointed in May on May 10th. The FBI knows their case is a hoax, documents their interview with the guy in January saying the steal information is a hoax. On May 17th, they turn the file over to Mueller, who then investigates the president for over a year on a charge he already knows is a hoax. Not only does Mueller know it's a hoax, the Mueller team is, is in charge When they seek another FISA warrant extension to spy on Trump.
0: How is. What? You know. I'm not doing a
1: good job if you're not getting this right now. Mueller's investigating a hoax. The FBI transfers the file over saying it's a hoax. And instead of going in front of the people, picking up the microphone. Dear America, this is Bob Mueller. This case is a flaming pile of dog. I'm very sorry, America. We're moving on. That's not what he does. Mueller then goes out and seeks an extension on the warrant that includes the hoax information to continue to spy on Trump. Hmm. All in the family. I'm waiting for Meathead to show up. Yes, (laughs) sir. Yeah. Margo Cleveland, this is a great piece. Yeah. You know, in everything that's gone on with the impeachment hoax, Iran, the IG report, and all stuff. How has that fact escaped people? This is a wonderful piece worth your time. That we now know in the IG report. The Democrats celebrated the IG. Oh, the IG and Obama pointing. This guy's gonna be honest. He has now pointed out. That Mueller continued to investigate a hoax and double down on a hoax. And nobody's questioning Mueller. We can't question Mueller, his service to the country. Thank you, Bob. Fine. You served the country. Newsflash. So did millions of other American veterans out there, law enforcement officers, first responders, firefighters, teachers, and others who improved the lives of others. I promise you, if they committed a serious act of malfeasance, their butts would be investigated. Why do you get a pass? What is he, some kind of like Justice League superhero? The piece gets worse. Second takeaway, quote, Cleveland's piece. Most significantly, in June of 2017, the FBI's Office of General Counsel falsely represented that Carter Page had not been a source for another federal agency when reality, Page had been approved as an operational contact And the FBI's attorney had been told so in an email. Yet the final surveillance renewal warrant application failed to inform the FISA court that while Page had connections with the individuals connected to Russian intelligence, he had provided information about those contacts to another agency as an approved source. Do you believe this Mm. crap? The warrant approved to continue spying on the Trump team after Mueller's appointed. Mueller's appointed in June for the uh, in May for the libs. The warrants approved in June is based on information Mueller knows is a hoax. And not only that, there is approvals to continue to spy on Carter Page, repeating the seventeen lies from the prior FISA warrant applications, lies and omissions, categorical lies where they lied to a FISA court, and the biggest lie of all that Mueller does nothing to stop is that Carter Page has been contacting Russians illicitly and could be a spy when he was contacting Russians on behalf of the CIA. Nobody cares. So Mueller's investigating a hoax he knew was a hoax. He repeats the hoax, repeats the lies, continues to spy on the president, and uh, impugns the character of a patriotic American citizen Using his contacts with Russians to help out the CIA and uses that against him to spy on him. And don't know, we can't talk about Mueller. We can't. Mueller served the country. Thank you. A lot of people did. Let me read you a little quote, by the way, from Mueller's report. You don't, this is from, this this is on me. I wrote this one down. This is from Mueller's report. Paula's like looking around for a screenshot. I can see her, they're scrambling. This is just me. From Mueller's report, quote, Russian Intel officials had formed relationships with Carter Page in 2008 and 2013. Notice what strategically left. That's from the Mueller report. Notice what strategically left out of that. Yeah. Carter. Who was uh, who was Carter working with then? You know? Yes. Who yes. was he with, Daniel? Maybe you might want to mention that, Bob. Maybe. Maybe. That those contacts with Russian intel officials were at the behest of the U.S. government? Jeez. Don't ask Bob. You can't question Bob, Joe. You cannot question Bob Mueller. God forbid. Understood, Dan. He served the country. You can't question him. Understood, Dan. Repeated a hoax. Lied about Page. Repeated the lie. And apparently approved the FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team based on Carter Page's contacts with Russians at the behest of the U.S. government. One more quick, and we'll wrap it up. Another thing. The IG concluded that given that there were 13 different meetings with Orr over a period of months, the use of Bruce Orr as a conduit between the FBI and Steele created a relationship by proxy that should have triggered, pursuant to FBI policy, a decision about whether to reopen Steele as a uh, confidential human source or to discontinue accepting information indirectly from him. Folks, this is important. Christopher Steele is allegedly... I say allegedly because I don't believe this story, terminated as an FBI contact at the end of 2016 because Christopher Steele, who his name is on the fake dossier, was talking to the media. He was not terminated as a source. Joe Pianca from the FBI is handling Bruce Orr from the Department of Justice who is still talking to Steele throughout the entire time he's supposedly been fired and passing the information off to FBI agents who are giving it to Mueller. So just to sum this up, Mueller knows his case is a hoax. Mueller continues the spying operation on the president knowing it's a hoax, continues lying about Carter Page even though he's working for the U.S. government to impugn this man's character because they're so desperate to spy on Donald Trump. They also continue to use a source, Christopher Steele, who they've already been told by the FBI, by a source in January, whose information is complete garbage. The FBI allegedly fires him and the Mueller team continues to use him as he has an FBI handler throughout the time he's allegedly fired. But let's not investigate what Mueller did, folks. God forbid. (sighs) I can only hope the investigation into Atkinson Nunes cited in his uh, interview with Sarah Carter. I can only hope someone opens up that investigation to the Mueller team, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. New rules, folks. We win, you lose. It's time to get to the truth here. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. I'd really appreciate it. We're trying to get the 400,000 subscribers. We're almost there. Also, subscribe to our audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on
0: iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.